Hello, and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and usually I'm here with my conversation partner, Steve Weens, but he is enjoying some sabbatical time. So I've invited my friend and fellow spiritual director, Reverend Adele Calhoun, to discuss her book, Invitations from God, Accepting God's Offer to Rest, Weep, Forgive, Wait, Remember, and More. Each week, we will be discussing a chapter from this transforming resource and looking at it through the lens of the invitations God might have for us, individually and in community, as we emerge from this life-shifting season of the past year and a half. Before we share this week's conversation, I want to let you know that we have revamped our patron program. We are now giving patrons regular, exclusive bonus content that can be downloaded directly into the podcasting app of your choice. You can find out more and sign up to be a patron at patreon.com slash transformingcenter. If you enjoy what we're talking about here on the podcast and want to go a bit deeper with these conversations, the patron program is for you. And now, here is this week's conversation with Adele Calhoun on her book, Invitations from God. Adele, welcome back as we converse through the book, Invitations from God, Accepting God's Offer to Rest, Weep, Forgive, Wait, Remember, and More. These are such good conversations, and all I can do is pray that we can say yes um, in all the ways that <laughs> God invites. This invitation to weep, we've, we've referred to it a little bit in this season already, and it's a hard one for some of us. Um, I don't know about you, but I really don't like to cry. I don't. I try not to unless I have to. I know there are some people in the world who never cry. Um, you've heard people say the first time I ever saw my dad cry was at his mother's funeral. You know, there are children who never see their parents cry. Why is weeping such a hard thing for some of us to do? So I think you need to answer that yourself since you mm -hmm. said it's hard for you to weep because in general, I, I would say I weep pretty easily. Mm -hmm. So what makes it hard for you? Yeah, I think it feels out of control. Um, for one thing, um, it's very tender, you know, it's, it takes you to a very, very tender place versus an in control kind of place, you know, and the only reason you're weeping usually, and unless it's a joyful weeping is you're weeping for pain. And I think it's, I find it to be a challenging thing to walk all the way into pain. I understand the full benefits of walking into pain. I've already described that. And I know that it's absolutely essential you know, the beatitude that says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Mm -hmm. I believe that one of the reasons that many of us are not experiencing comfort is because we're refusing to mourn. mourn. So I know the goodness of choosing to mourn so that God can meet us in that place. But still, it's, it's, it's very tender. Mm -hmm. It takes you to a more tender place than we typically live in all the mm -hmm. time. But I really loved what you said in your book, and I've experienced it to be true, that physiologically weeping is highly, highly beneficial. We literally mm -hmm. re release toxins when we cry. I think that's mm -hmm. the most amazing thing, that God created our bodies so that we actually release toxins through our mm -hmm. tears. That's Who right. knew, you know? And I think that's one reason I, I always want to cry, mm -hmm. because it's almost like I can feel the toxicity yeah. that I'm carrying in my body. And when I can't cry, it feels really hard for yes. me. Yes. 
Because there's a kind of release that you get through tears that you can't mm-hmm. get any other way. And, you know, your head hurts and your yeah. your nose is all snotty mm-hmm. and it's Your not eyes a, are it's, burning. <laughs> it's not a nice feeling. Yeah. But afterwards, yeah. it just feels like, I'm so glad I could release. It's like this 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 watershed. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. This... This flood releases something. To me, it's like what happens when you have a a bad storm with the dark clouds and then Mm -hmm. the storm rolls away and there's these clear, pristine blue sky Mm -hmm. and everything is just clear again. That's how it feels after, you know, there's been a time of weeping that Mm -hmm. was, you know, that that needed to happen and that moved us through our grief in some way. That's right. That's right. Well, I think that one of the reasons why this, invitation is so pertinent right now, it may be the most pertinent right now in some ways, is that there is so much that so much loss that we have experienced, so much, so much hard stuff that we've been through, and we need to weep. I, this invitation is completely relevant right now, that there is a need to weep. And I remember hearing an interview with Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren, early on in the pandemic, where he said that he believed that when the pandemic is over, there's going to be a tsunami of grief. And I perked up and I said, that is a true truth right there. There's going to be a tsunami of grief because what I saw happening in the pandemic was that people soldiered through, you know? Yeah. So I didn't get to have this funeral, but you know, other people have it worse or, um, we had to miss the graduation you know, we couldn't have a graduation party or we had a small wedding rather than a larger wedding or haven't seen my grandmother in a year, but there was always somebody having it worse. And so we somehow realized that there was no choice but to soldier on through and that people did not grieve in the moments. I, I didn't, I saw people trying to distract themselves and convince themselves that it wasn't that big of a deal versus grieving. And I know why we did it. We had to get through, but now on the other side of it, I think there is, you know, to use your language, Adele, a well, a well of grief, small griefs and big griefs, that haven't been mourned, the cheers have not been mm-hmm. shed, and so it's all just sitting there. And, you know, Rick Warren went on to say that pastors are going to need to be prepared to be with people in their grief and to create spaces for being with grief, which I thought was, you know, a really, really wise observation. But at the same time, as we moved through the pandemic, I realized that, you know, all of us as leaders, anybody who was leading anything, had to be with your own griefs. We were each having our own very private griefs. My dad died during COVID. um, And there were some really wonderful things to be thankful for in terms of how God provided a way for us to walk with him. So I have a lot of gratitude, but that was a part of, of COVID. We still have his stuff because our family hasn't been able to gather and you know, we, there's some things we want to do together, but that hasn't happened yet. But you know, you, you you have your own personal griefs as a as a leader and your family and all, but then you're holding everybody else's grief as well. Mm-hmm. How in the world are human beings supposed to hold all this? I do not know. <laughs> it's almost inhuman to think of what pastors have had to carry. And so now they're holding their own grief, but their parishioners have grief too. And what a pertinent invitation it is to think about weeping and actually creating space intentionally to weep. And that doesn't mean you can weep on command. Mm-mm. I don't. I, I know some people seem to be good at. Well, I need to cry, and they can cry. Yeah. It, that, I'm not that way. I'm Mm-mm. not that way either. Well, in fact, you mentioned a time, Adele, when you really needed to weep and wanted to weep and weren't able mm-hmm. to. What was that like? So, 
so there was a time in my life where I cried every day for a year, mm -hmm. you know, every day I cried in some way. It was such a deep physical grief. But coming out of that, I could not cry. Mm -hmm. Not one tear, like for the next year. Mm -hmm. Zip. <laughs> Nothing. You know, just this sense that, that I'd almost, maybe it was numbness finally, or I don't, I don't know, it came to the end of the tears. And yet I, I still felt like, would be such a relief if I could just cry mm -hmm. and I I couldn't I was doing a, a lot of therapy in that time that was a good thing but but I think sometimes we can feel the need to cry and it's too deep for tears mm -hmm. you know too deep for words and we just ache and moan towards God mm -hmm. the the grieving is more of a body thing we may carry it feel it and sometimes yeah. it is it is tears yeah. that and that, that to me, I, I just love that by Genesis 6, God is weeping. You know, I think we're six chapters into the Bible and God is weeping over the brokenness of his people. And, the, and, the, and so there's something to me very sacred about tears and entering into a trinity that, that weeps. Jesus weeps, the spirit weeps, that, Groans, that all yeah. of these in scripture are said to weep. We we have this community that of the the holy one that actually comes around us with their own tears. And yeah. I just think that's a place of again solidarity and being not alone in my pain. I've never had a season like what you described, which is why I'm so curious about it. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it sounds like. The season when you couldn't cry actually came after a season when you cried every day. Every day. So that's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. So you you may have cried yourself out a little bit. Yeah, wow. I think I did. And I did. Like I said, I I sat down with a therapist mm -hmm. and and I felt like, in a sense, all the things that were wordless in the tears yeah. had to be verbalized. Mm -hmm. There was a, a sense that during that season, a lot of that body pain came out in in words and in, um, yeah, just in therapeutic mm -hmm. conversation, trying to get to a place of, I mean, I, 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 I would say I, I could have been very much in danger of letting my sorrow become the defining feature of my narrative. Mm -hmm. I was endangered by my grief. Wow. And even knowing that I was in that place, you know, in this, I just think of great expectations, Miss Haversham jilted on her wedding day, mm -hmm. wearing her wedding dress then until the day she died, mm -hmm. she stopped living. And I was in a place where I could have stopped going forward and just stayed in the grief. And so actually the not crying probably helped me start to do the work. Yes. Got you know, it. That would say mm -hmm. I wouldn't stay duck yeah. there and I just I couldn't move out of it for a year mm -hmm. I couldn't move out of it I would just encompass I mean I worked but yeah. oh my goodness I was I don't know it was it was simply a grace that I worked at all I was very unfunctional yeah wow so that's interesting that for some people like for you it was actually a movement forward do you think I do to to have cried but then not be able to cry that you were actually moving in a direction mm -hmm. through your grief 
Whereas for others who have not cried and they've been very stuck in that way, it's actually movement for them to go ahead and have tears. That's right. Plus, I just love the idea from the Desert Mothers and Fathers. They call them the gift of tears. The gift you of know? tears, totally. And I, I believe that tears are a gift whenever mm-hmm. and however they are given. And um, we might feel embarrassed when we have tears in front of other people or whatever, but it's it's such a gift. And it also speaks to a soft and softening sometimes of a hardened mm-hmm. heart or a softness towards God or, um, mm-hmm. you know, wet clay that can be wa- worked with and mm-hmm. molded versus being hard Great and dry. Yeah. yeah. Tears are very significant. Let me ask you this. Do you think that the point here is the weeping or is the point the grief is is weeping and one aspect of grief and mourning do you think is are there multiple ways in which grief works itself out um say something about the relationship between grief and weeping are they the same thing or different or parts of each other yeah that's a great question i i do think that they're parts of each other Mm -hmm. and that just we all grieve in sort of different ways yeah. it's how we've been put together mm-hmm. we can't grieve the same and you know jesus grieved sometimes with anger anger at seeing sickness or anger at the temple not being a, being a marketplace there was grief and it doesn't say at the temple that he he wept but when he's at the tomb of lazarus he weeps or when mm-hmm. the widow comes out with her with her son who's dead he weep you know so he jesus weeps but he doesn't weep every time he's sad mm-hmm. yeah about something so i i think there there are there are laments that help us mourn there are rituals yeah even the we used to have many more rituals mm-hmm. around death than we do today right. that provide sort of a trellis for us to to put our grief on and it may not be the tears it may be that that here is the wake and here's the funeral and here's this and that we we need to be um what do i need in this grief to move forward yeah and that was one of the great losses of the pandemic was the loss of ritual wasn't it it was and i i, I still look back on it and it's stunning to me that people died alone, that elderly people oh, died alone, oh, oh. that families that, did not get to that come. That makes to, me cry. I know. You know who wants to right. die And alone. that families didn't get to come together to do what, what mm-hmm. families do around deaths. I, we have no idea how bereft we are because we have lost out on those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Even though it might seem like it's too late, I think one of the things that I would say is if you didn't get to do some of that stuff, find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. If you didn't get to do some of the ritual and some Rituals, of th- yeah. those gatherings that would help you to move through, there's a good chance you might stay a bit stuck or mm-hmm. not have fully grieved something or marked the significance of something if you don't you know, enter into the rituals. So my prayer here is that people would still be brave in moving forward and doing what needs to be done you know, mm-hmm. to bring the opportunity to weep. I find that I I rarely weep alone, you hmm. know? So That's it's always when I'm with someone else. And so make sure that if grieving is what's needed and you're not crying alone, <laughs> you know, be with someone who's 
own way of being enables you to find the space mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think tenderness yeah. often can move people to That's tears. That's right. Or yeah. having someone else actually get what you're saying. Yeah. And, yeah. and the impact of it. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like we're saying that weeping is one facet of the overall process of grieving mm-hmm. and mourning. And yet it's important because physiologically it's it's it, it physiologically releases toxin. There are other things that you listed in your book about what happens for us physically when we weep. What are a few other of those things that are so good for us in the body when we weep? One of the things I remember about tears is tears that are emotional tears over emotional griefs and sorrows have a different chemical makeup than if I poke you in the eye, mm-hmm. you know, that if I'm physically hurt, yeah. the body actually has a different sort of tear that it, that uh, happens. And and I think the reason I, I chose the invitation to weep rather than the invitation to mourn mm-hmm. is just because there's such a stigma around weeping. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be the same stigma around mourning. Mm-hmm. So tears as they wash down our face, they heal. We've already talked about heal. Mm -hmm. They inhibit aggression. I think that's just fascinating. Mm -hmm. You know, if we cry, we actually do something to our aggressive tendencies. Being with a person in tears improves our ability to give emotional support and social support. Uh, Tears minimize pain. You know, children Mm -hmm. cry automatically. There's something about that automatic crying that actually diminishes their pain i know sometimes we're just thinking they're they're crying to get attention Mm -hmm. and they are but in a serious injury it actually can minimize your pain and then i think weeping establishes solidarity with other people Mm -hmm. as we are human and this is a this is what happens when human beings are are past their limits and at the end of their resources there's something physical that happens not just emotional but we see it I'm at the end of myself and I think tears also move us to action you know someone's tears can be the the moment give us the momentum to do something for somebody Mm -hmm. that's huge you know it's not it's not that you're a crybaby it's not that you're overly sensitive it's that You've reached the end of your resources and there's something mm-hmm. I might say or do that could be healing, bring healing to you. Yeah. What, what a wonderful invitation that mm-hmm. God, the healer, says, you, you can be a healer yeah. just by sharing your grief That's right. or sharing in the grief of another person. Would you go so far as to say that weeping could be a spiritual practice? So this is what I think. I'd be interested in what you think because I feel like a practice is something I can mm. step into. Yes. Where, like we talked about before, weeping I can't mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. It has to be given. The tears it are another place given. of gift. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't make them happen. Where I can get sit myself in the chair for centering prayer and do, yeah. do it. So it's more. It feels more like an invitation mm-hmm. and a invitation to be enter that space of the trinity and and i just i think it's amazing that god weeps i I know i just i think it who has a god like that yeah who weeps with us 
And now, Steve and I would like to take a moment to share a little bit about another way you can go even deeper on your spiritual journey around the themes we're discussing here on the podcast. We'd like to tell you about our Transforming Communities. Transforming Communities is a practice-based spiritual formation experience with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community Experience is designed to integrate your spirituality and your leadership and help you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. I was a part of TC6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. It is really hard to explain all that happens in this two-year, 27-month experience. So over the course of this season, we're going to be inviting different ones of our alums to share about what their transforming community experience meant to them. So here's what this week's alum has to say. I was a part of transforming community number 15. And as I reflect on my experience, I can't help but to think about how this journey truly helped me in my capacity for sitting in the hard emotions in life. Pain, sadness, disappointment, shame. And what I found over these retreats was a sense that God wanted to teach me something. He wanted to help me grow, but it was going to require me allowing him to lead me into these dark places, the places I would typically avoid, the places I wouldn't dare go by myself. An image that Ruth used that resonated with me was this idea of a safe harbor. No matter how difficult the storm is in your life, I found that what God wanted most was for me to simply allow him to walk with me, to sit with me, to hold me, to weep with me. I'm a dad to two little girls and I can't imagine if they're sad or afraid and I scoop them up and I hold them, tell them that I love them more than anything under the sun and there's nothing that could ever separate them from me, that how much more does our Heavenly Father simply want us as his children to take the time to invite him to hold us when we're sad or when we're afraid? For anyone listening who knows that they don't like spending more than two seconds in sadness, or being angry, I can tell you firsthand that there's so much more to life. And by joining a transforming community, you'll have an opportunity to deepen your trust in a God who simply wants to hold you while you weep. You can visit transformingcenter.org to learn more and to apply to the next transforming community. And now back to my conversation with Adele on invitations from God. Do you think that where we are right now, that, that perhaps there is some tension between wanting to celebrate the fact that it's all over and that we're back to normal? Um, I was out with a friend last night and it was like the whole town was like alive. Everybody was so happy to be outside that yes. you could, it was electric, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is this desire to celebrate um, because we seem to be turning a corner. But with all the grieving that has been postponed, and left undone, it seems like it could be easy to miss this invitation Mm -hmm. um, to weep in favor of just running towards the freedom that we've missed. Mm -hmm. What would be an appropriate way, I wonder, of resisting the temptation to ignore this particular invitation right now? Where are the spaces to weep? And and what are are the kinds of things that we are mourning right now? Can we name some of those? Because sometimes I think even naming is a part of the mourning to say, this happened to me and it's really sad. And I'm sad. 
I didn't get to be there for my parents' funeral. I am really sad. My, my relative died alone in a hospital. It's unthinkable mm-hmm. to me. I am really sad. My child is so um, distressed and unhappy yeah. because they can't be with friends. Right. My daughter is suicidal. Right. I think that my one, my child may have gone backwards educationally. Educationally. They did, not, they did not do all the work and accomplish what should have been accomplished this last year. Academically, I'm concerned for their future, mm-hmm. concerned mm-hmm. they're going to be behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I had a friend who was scheduled to get married the, the yes. March of COVID. Mm-hmm. They moved it to August. They moved it to December. They moved it to March. Oh, you, you know, and you just think this... Yeah. yeah. So they go to a justice of the peace and get married and we'll have a party in December. Yeah. But you know, it's that's a that's a big that's adjustment. A loss. It's a that's loss. That's a big right, a yeah. big loss. Businesses. I mean, there are people whose family businesses went down. They couldn't keep mm-hmm. them they couldn't keep the doors open. And rest the restaurants and the so so many. And I think even for working people as as we can't go into work. We're going to do right. everything on Zoom. That's right. We've missed our colleagues. It's mm-hmm. been, you know, lonely in that way. Mm-hmm. Or people who've lost mm-hmm. jobs during COVID. That's I right. No, a number. Mm-hmm. Industries that aren't the same anymore, where they never will be. That those jobs will never be occupied again by human beings. Yeah, I I find myself hoping that whenever any one of us touches a loss and articulates a loss, that we would stop. And really look that person in the face and say, that is really hard. I am so sorry. And, and I, maybe that's one of the really practical things that we could say about our life together right now is that we would just determine that when someone acknowledges a loss that they experienced in COVID, that we would stop and acknowledge that loss and create some space for the tears or just the articulation of what it meant, you know, to have lost that. And if it's if it's in a conversation that's going fast, mm-hmm. you know, my grandma died, my my mm-hmm. my father died. What was that like for you? Yeah. What was it like for you not to be able to be there? What right. was it? That's a huge part of mm-hmm. helping people step into a place where they don't stay stuck. That's right. Yeah. What have you done, you know, for yourself in the midst of that? Is there anything mm-hmm. else? That what is there? Any, you might what do, want what to do. do. Yes. To mark and what that. do you? What did you? What do you need? Yeah. To do, what would mm-hmm. set you free to move forward? Yeah. Right. What 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 a wonderful thing to to give to one another in community is mm-hmm. that kind of space. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the practice that some churches have about doing a blue Christmas. Have you ever heard yes, of that? Yes. Yes. We've done blue Christmases. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that it might be something along that line. That could we did be a done. blue Christmas this year, yeah. you know, during COVID for the losses that had happened. But yeah. I think it would be a great thing this coming year because... Yes, when we've actually moved through even more of them mm-hmm. and people are maybe having an opportunity now to be a little bit more in touch if we create, again, if we create awareness and space that people could name their losses and there could be um, something healing that could happen around... Mm-hmm the losses that we've experienced and the space could be created to weep where it would be okay to weep and it would be the norm to weep. And 
Yes. I think it could be really powerful. I it think there is powerful. a real call here. There's a real invitation here, not just for individuals, but in community mm-hmm. to create space for weeping. And, and think about how redemptive this could be because there's so much discomfort around weeping, mm-hmm. you know, discomfort from people who don't like to see people cry, you know, makes them so uncomfortable as well as discomfort among people who are weeping. But if we could, if we could, for the sake of healing, say, I can bear a little discomfort Mm -hmm. to be with this person and ask about their pain. Mm -hmm. And if the person who's weeping, rather than just going to shame and saying, oh, I'll be okay, okay, Mm -hmm. could stay. It's really no big deal. Other people had it much worse. (laughs) Yeah. If they could just stay and say, well, I'm glad you asked. This is what, that would be huge. It would be huge. That'd be a huge discipline. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And gift. Do you think there are any dangers for us as humans and for the church if we just kind of rush on past this moment Mm -hmm. and don't weep? like actually mm-hmm. refuse to to weep? What what, what do you think will Absolutely. happen to us if we do that? Well, we've already talked about mm-hmm. this well of sadness yeah. and how that just collects and collects. And then in our daily life, we get triggered by something mm-hmm. and we pull up all the sadness in it. We pull up all the anger about what happened without the rituals and without... You know, sadness often has anger attached to it or lots of mm-hmm. lots of other emotions that come with it. And all those just, we transmit those all over the place. Yeah. Or we become very afraid that, that this will happen to somebody else. And so, you know, I already lost my father to COVID. So every time somebody goes into the hospital, now I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that kind of, it carries, the narrative carries. Mm-hmm. That's right. We, yeah. we have to grieve. Yeah. Well, you have some really practical ideas that that almost seem like practices to me on, on page 97 and 98 in your book. These seem like practices that are associated with weeping. And you also put in the category of living within paradox, that we have to live in the paradoxes of suffering and joy together. We have to live together with this need to weep and the desire that we have to celebrate. Can you just describe for us what, what are some of the practices that you think will, you know, carry us into this invitation Mm -hmm. that will help us say yes to this invitation when it Mm -hmm. comes? Well, we've already both talked about lament, you know, two thirds of the Psalms are lament that God's people lament and writing a psalm of lament, Mm -hmm. lamenting to a spiritual friend, letting it out, you know, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groans and wordless aches and longings, Mm -hmm. you know, to to be able to let that lament fly. Read Jeremiah, read Lamentations. You know, a lament can be, you, you, you can vent at God. God is a good God and can listen to it. And so part of, I think, lament enables us to uh, have fewer trust issues with God. If we don't lament, we can develop some huge trust issues with God. Receiving the invitation to put your pain into the wounds of Jesus. I already said something Mm -hmm. about this, but this this place of of, uh, there is no place in this world where our sorrows are more deeply felt than heaven there is no person Mm -hmm. who feels our sorrows 
more than that Father in heaven, Jesus the Son, the Spirit, that there is a place to go with the pain, that it is received and it is held and it is felt. And I don't know what it means to fill up the cup of Christ's suffering or to share Mm -hmm. in his suffering, but I believe that that's what's happening Mm -hmm. when we weep. In some outside of time way, we've entered into the divine suffering and We're bearing, we're bearing something that Jesus bore with him. And mm-hmm. if you've been with somebody in their pain, and it is such a privilege to be invited into someone's sorrow. Yeah. I feel like we tend to be Jesus. really embarrassed and regretful that we've let someone else see that, but that person feels honored, totally honored, honored to have been invited into that place and to have been allowed to be present in that way. So we probably have to remind ourselves of that sometimes, you know. Uh, yeah. Did you did you feel like during COVID you had people that you could invite into your pain, Ruth, when your dad died? Well, I, you know, I walked through it, you know, very deeply with my one brother who took care of my dad with me, the two of us together. Mm. Um, did it and we were able to be with my dad in the days leading they let us be the caretakers even though the place the retirement community where my dad lived wasn't allowing family members in at all because my brother agreed to be the caretaker we got to be there Um, and we were both of us were holding his hands when he died Mm -hmm. and you know I think the comfort, I think that's one of the places where I just feel so much gratitude was that I got to be with my dad when so many other people were not getting to be with their parents. Mm -hmm. I can't, I really cannot imagine where I'd be today if I didn't, hadn't had the chance to actually be with my dad versus Mm -hmm. um, kind of watching from a distance. Mm -hmm. So I felt that by walking through it with my brother, I never was alone in my grief at all. Um, And then my, you know, my daughters are here too and they, loved my dad with an everlasting love so to share it with them too was Mm. was pretty amazing and then um I was grateful for my husband who never begrudged me the time that I spent with my dad during those days you know Mm. but just let me be and do that journey the way I needed to do it so it was very very intimate support but I did not feel alone in that season. And I was very much aware that I was getting something that many other people weren't getting. And that Mm -hmm. kind of broke my heart in a different way, you know, Mm -hmm. as you can imagine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Well, even in what you said, you know, there is the invitation um, to weep with those who weep, you know, that that's a scriptural invitation mm -hmm. right there. Can you weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn? And then I think one of the final invitations that we don't talk about much in the church because Mm -hmm. we're sort of don't want to shame people and, you know, we don't want to make them feel too bad. (laughs) But there is something really good about being able to grieve our sin and receive cleansing and be transformed Mm -hmm. to move through the whole thing that we don't have to carry around oh, I was such a bad person. Mm-hmm. We don't have to carry the shame. And that that good grief is contrition, you know? It's a humiliation, but it leads mm. to freedom. And it's bad grief when you just keep pounding yourself uh, 
with your shame. Yes, that godly grief that leads to repentance mm -hmm. is very, very powerful in the spiritual life because then you can put it to rest. Mm -hmm. You can. You can put it to rest and metanoia, turn away mm -hmm. and walk, walk it out a different way. So, yeah, you, let's not avoid that because right. it's, it's, you it weep is your humbling. remorse into the arms of that's Jesus. Right. You and know? then you can, then you then can walk it out and can, walk out of it. That's yeah. right. Amen, sister. Well, I do love these grids that you have. And so could you, is there anything from, um, this, the grid that talks about invitations, scripture, roadblocks, awareness practices that you feel like we haven't touched on that you'd want to share with us? Um, so I would, I would just say, notice when your heart is moved, mm -hmm. you know, often we're going so fast. We don't even feel that little prick of, yeah. of sadness. We don't say the kind word. We don't say you're looking sad today. Mm -hmm. You know, is, is everything okay with you? Um, and to notice when, how your heart is moved with compassion for somebody and to follow up. I had a conversation recently with somebody who was in a very bad place and it would have been easy because you know it's sort of an appointment I'm a person who has appointments I don't mm -hmm. have to follow up and to follow up and say how are you doing yeah. just just that sense of being able to come alongside practicing compassion and that's a gift we give mm -hmm. people it's the gift of Jesus that we give yeah. people we can become the presence of, of God mm-hmm the other practice that I wanted to mention seems really obvious, but it's this, and that is that when the tears come, cry them. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. Like, we, I'm really accustomed to trying to hold them back, especially if I'm in mm -hmm. public. But, you know, if God is giving you the gift of tears, receive it. Male, female, whoever, just receive the gift if, it's, if it gets given. And I, I hope, Amen. I want to remember that. I want other people to <laughs> take that gift when it comes and see the goodness that God, God brings right. as you release those toxins through your tears, yeah, right. right? There's no better that's way right. to do it. So no better way. I hope we can say yes to this invitation. It's uncomfortable and, and messy as it sometimes yeah, is. It is. <laughs> God is saying, I want this for you. Thanks so much for listening today. There are so many podcasts to choose from, and I'm grateful you have spent the last 30 minutes with us. If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation by joining a transforming community. You can visit transformingcenter.org to learn more and apply. Also, thanks for your support of the podcast and the work of the Transforming Center. If you have enjoyed the conversation, please rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. You can become a partner and receive exclusive content by visiting patreon.com slash transforming center.